0: Make sure that they're getting that downtime. Empathize with how they're feeling. That's your job now is to lead and mentor your team. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in it, right? You don't have to be in the muck with them, but it does mean that you can empathize with them and help them to see past it because you know what it was like. You know what you used to do to be able to get past it. And so you can really help them to see that as well. Hey there, CEOs. Welcome to the Wedding Pro CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Brandy Garr, and my mission is to help you, the wedding industry entrepreneur, to build a profitable wedding business that you actually love. On today's show, we are talking about five tips for being a great leader. And on this show, we talk so much about stepping into that role of CEO and really getting yourself out of the day-to-day operations of your business. But to do that, you've got to build a great team, and you've got to lead a great team. And guess what? Being a great leader does not come naturally to everyone, and that's okay. So many of us think, oh, it's got to come naturally, or I'm just not a leader, and that's not true at all. Just like anything you've had to learn in your business, you're also going to have to learn and practice the skills of leading your team well. So today I want to share with you five really simple practical tips that you can implement right away to help you really become that great leader that your team needs you to be. Okay, you guys ready? Let's dive right into the first one. Tip number one is to communicate effectively. To communicate effectively, I really want to make sure that my team, as well as myself, understand what our boundaries are going to be and in what ways we're going to communicate with each other. So I like to have regular communication through our weekly staff meeting. And we do this every single Tuesday at 9.15 a.m. And that's just a time where everyone on our team knows that time is set aside to be together as a team, to share what's working, what's not working, to bounce any ideas off of each other, anything that really can wait for that staff meeting and any updates on the business, we like to make sure that we're holding for that. But between staff meetings, obviously there's things that's gonna take place that we need from each other. And so we're gonna do that through our company Slack channel. In Slack, we have multiple channels. We have an executive team. We have a whole blush team. We have a sales channel, a social media channel. But this is how we can all communicate between meetings with each other really effectively. The reason I love to use Slack is because it's important to me that when my team is not working, that they're able to shut that app off. They can turn their notifications off and they won't see that we're all still slacking or that I've even slacked them. I don't like to use text messages unless there is something so urgent that it absolutely cannot wait. And I have to interrupt whatever it is that they're doing. That's very rare in our company, but having Slack be a separate app on their phone for communication or on their desktop, that is only for work, allows them to have their phones when they're out and about and not have to necessarily answer texts and things like that. So we like to make sure that the work communication is completely separate. We also like to make sure that anything that's non-urgent or is really an FYI or for a project that we're working on, that needs to be emailed. So Slack is like a really quick, I need an answer, or here's an answer to someone else, or I'm working with a client and they need the whole team to chime in for like, I need help finding a photographer within this budget range and this is what my client's looking for, and the whole team can chime in. So that's really what Slack is for, but if it's in regards to a project or it's just an FYI, that's really going to be an email. So we're going to email things like that. So really, however you do it in your company is great, but really explaining to everybody what that communication style looks like so that you can do that effectively and everybody's on board. In my company, because we don't text unless it's absolutely urgent, everyone follows that same guideline. And I love this because it really does help to set that Boundary for the entire team that when your Slack notifications are off, not only do you get to be off and not watch it, but also we can all see that you're not getting your Slack notifications right now that you have them turned off. So, this is so good for things like vacation or just downtime in the evening or days off. I absolutely highly encourage you to make sure that you've got all of those communication styles separate. So in communicate effectively, I would encourage you to have a weekly or biweekly staff meeting or just some sort of a regular time that your entire staff is together and talking about the business. I would also encourage you to have either Slack or Voxer or some app on the phone that is specifically dedicated to work time. And I would also encourage you to really set boundaries about what that looks like so that the entire team follows the same communication style. Okay. Tip number two is going to be to empower your team. And you guys, this one is huge. This one is huge. As you start stepping out of the day-to-day operations of your business, it is going to get more and more imperative that you empower each member of your team to really own their role on the team. The reason this is so important is because you need to remove yourself from all of the side conversations. So what do I mean by that? A really perfect example is that on my team, everyone has a role. So we have a sales manager, a director of operations, a marketing director, and our team manager, right? That makes up our executive team. Now, if my sales manager is feeling like we're not getting enough leads in right now, she does not need to come to me. I'm going to be of zero help to her. I'm happy to bounce some ideas around if we need to, but that's something that we typically would do at staff meeting. But instead, she is able to directly communicate with our marketing manager and say to our marketing manager, hey, Michelle, we are really struggling with leads right now. I'm not sure that we're gonna hit our sales goal. Can we talk about some ways that maybe you could drive some direct, leads to consults, right? Can we talk about some ways that we can use our marketing to really drive up some click throughs to our consult page? I don't even need to be part of that conversation. And Michelle doesn't need to then come to me and ask if it's okay. She knows that she's empowered to absolutely go ahead and change up our social media that week or in the next two weeks to really drive some specific calls to action to consultations. Her and Jess, my sales manager, are really able to do that together. Without me, because they're both empowered to do their job well. Another example of this would be that our operations director, Allie, she is completely in charge of client communication or any kind of opportunities or challenges that come up with our clients as well, and to work through those with our planning team. So if we have a planner that's having a challenge with a client, they can go directly to Allie and Allie can work with them to help resolve that issue. She doesn't need to come to me, neither one of them need to come to me, unless it's over Over their head, and they feel like they need support from me to work it out. But otherwise, they are fully empowered to make the right decision to make sure that that client is getting the very best experience possible in a way that our team can absolutely do within the service that they've purchased. So that's really how our team is empowered to do these things without my constant oversight. They know that I'm always available to them if they need help if they need to just talk through something but for the most part they go to each other at this point because they're all involved in the day-to-day and they know that they can make decisions without me having to be right there holding their hand and it wasn't always that way if you guys have heard me talk about my journey on this podcast For years, I ran my business in a way where my team wasn't empowered. They were more task managers than anything else. And so often I would give them a task and they would do it, which was great, But anytime something came up that was outside of the bounds of that specific task, it had to roll back up to me. They had to come ask me questions. They had to get my buy-in for decisions that they were making. And what happened was I had this huge team and I was still involved with everything that they did because they were not empowered to make those decisions on their own. It's so important that you give these boundaries to your team members and really encourage them to be empowered to make decisions. One other tip I want to give you inside of this empowering your team members is to really make sure that when they come to you with a problem, I want you to put it back on them and ask them how they would solve it. So for instance, if one of your team members comes to you and they say, hey, I have this client, this is the situation, I really don't know how to deal with it, can you help me? the answer would always be yes, of course. Okay, so here's the situation. Tell me how you think we should handle it. Push them to think on their own, to think critically, to tell you what they would do. Most often, they already know what they would do, but they still feel a little bit unconfident about that, or they just want to talk it through. Don't give them the answer. Push them and help them to think critically through it on their own. So I always like to say, absolutely, I would love to work through this with you. Tell me how you would do it. Tell me how you think we should handle this situation. And then, nine times out of 10, they've already thought through it. And they have a great solution to the problem. And I'm like, I think that is a killer answer. I love how you thought through that. And here's what I really like about your answer. 100% go do that. And sometimes it might be something where I would say, no, I love your thought process on that. I think it's great. I would probably do this and here's why I would do it differently and explain that to them so that, again, you're training them to think critically. You don't want people that are just doing tasks. You don't want people that are just picking stuff up and putting it back down. You really want team members that are thinking critically. So if you need to revise their thought process, explain what part of the thought process you would have done differently and why? So that next time they have the same issue, they can now critically think through it. Okay. Number three, tip number three is to continuously learn and grow. You guys, I cannot say enough about tip number three. This one is so important. It is imperative that you as the CEO of your company, now you're stepping into this whole new role. You need to constantly be learning and growing, learning how to be a great CEO, learning how to be a great leader, learning how to manage your finances, learning how to build that team and how to take your business to the next level, learning how to bring in additional revenue sources and how to really just take your business to a new level. To do that, you as a CEO have to surround yourself with people who are also doing what you are trying to do. I cannot say enough about this. You need to invest in education. You are the best investment that you will ever make, you as a CEO. Invest in learning, invest in courses, invest in conferences or summits. This is so good for you as the CEO, but it's also good for your staff to see that you're investing in learning and being a better boss. The better you can be, the better their career is gonna be. The better your company is, the more chance they have of creating a career from your company. And so they should be so excited about this. I also want to encourage you to invest in their learning and growing. When I have a team member that I know is ready to take on a new piece of our business, like they have an opportunity where, let's say, for instance, I just recently had our social media manager really step into understanding SEO so that she could help us to start ranking even higher in some of the markets that we're ready to take on for blush. And so, I personally do not know a ton about SEO. I know enough to probably be dangerous and that's about it. So it was important for me to be able to give her those tools. So I was able to put her in a course with Sarah Dunn, Sarah Dunn's SEO Bootcamp, which I think is amazing. And I was able to give her that empowerment to continue learning and growing so that she could then implement that entire business. Same thing with all of our team members. If there's something that they're struggling with that I may not be the best fit to help them, I want to make sure that they're learning and growing as well, that they are going to educational events, that they are buying courses and we purchase those for them. One, because it's going to benefit my business, but also so that if that person ever leaves and we replace the position, that course belongs to Blush. It belongs to my company. And so I'm able to then have the next person take that course as well because that course belongs to my company. But it's so important that you don't look at conferences or courses as expenses for your business. I really want you to think about if I were to purchase this course, how could it help me to grow in my business? How? F- fast could I make that revenue back up by investing in this course? I actually just recently got new numbers from Michelle, our social media manager, our marketing director for Blush. And she is killing it with our SEO. It's been so fun to watch. We invested in her learning through Sarah Dunn's bootcamp. And now our pages are starting to rank even higher than they were. She is starting to rank us for keywords we were never ranking for before. And because we're moving into a new market that we're servicing now, she is starting to get us to rank for that market as well. So I love this tip so much, which is to invest in that growing and learning for yourself, but also for your team. So important. Okay. Tip number four is to lead with compassion and empathy. This one is really, really important as you start to step into that role of CEO, because There will be a guilt factor that will start to settle in with you as you do less events and your team is doing more events. So often we think that we need to be out there doing as many weddings as they are. But that's not the case at all. What you want to be doing is your role is changing. And so you now are focused more on the growth of the company and mentoring and coaching your team because you are now leading people. You are not leading events as often, right? I always want you to remember that your job is to lead the people, not to lead the events. Sometimes that means that your team is in busy season. And you remember what that's like, right? You are not necessarily slammed anymore because you are not taking a full load of weddings. For example, my company in the fall, it's it's crazy in Orlando. Like It is October to December. We have so many weddings we can't even see straight. It's absolutely nuts. We have the best weather here. So it's so insane. And all hands on deck. We're working every single weekend. I totally get it. Because I personally do not take weddings anymore, sometimes that can feel like I'm not overwhelmed when they are. But that's because it is so important that I'm still focused on the growth of our company and leading and coaching and mentoring. I'm still working so hard. I'm just not physically out there doing the labor. But when they are exhausted, when they feel overwhelmed, when they have a client that's frustrating them right in the middle of busy season, it is so important for you to still be able to be that empathetic ear. Yes, you may not be in the thick of it just like they are. It's important that you're not. But it's okay to say, I totally understand where you're coming from and I know how how overwhelming busy season can feel. What I used to do when I had this many weddings was I would have a countdown to my last wedding so that we could celebrate it, right? Or I would have a calendar with my last wedding circled and I would say, on this day, I'm gonna celebrate. But I also want to make sure that you are setting boundaries, right? Again, going back to you are the coach, help them to see past the chaos. Help to see how you could maybe Help them to set some healthy boundaries, either with the team and communication or with their clients. Make sure that they're getting that downtime. Empathize with how they're feeling. You haven't gotten to see your husband in a week. I totally get it. Why don't you really set aside some time this week to turn your phone off? We don't need you. Nothing's going to burn down while you're gone. Take some time for yourself. It's so important to just lead with that empathy and And to help them know that you're here for them and that you want to help them, that's your job now, is to lead and mentor your team. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in it, right? You don't have to be in the muck with them, but it does mean that you can empathize with them and help them to see past it because you know what it was like. You know what you used to do to be able to get past it. And so you can really help them to see that as well. Okay. And tip number five, our last tip is to lead by example. So what do I mean by this? I just got done telling you, I do not want you thinking that you have to take on as many events as your team and you should not be out there every single weekend doing events just because your team is. So when I say lead by example, it can be a little bit confusing because you might be like, if you want me to lead by example, shouldn't I be also doing weddings every single weekend? No, absolutely not. Helping your team to understand what your role is and how by you not taking weddings every single weekend, you're able to be fully focused on the growth of the company. And when the company grows, they grow. When you win, they win. So it's important that they understand what your role is. But when I say lead by example, I mean, things like the way that you hold yourself, right? The way that you listen and empathize with them is the way that they will listen and empathize with your clients. The way that you treat them is the way that they will treat your clients. So when you treat your staff with the utmost respect and you're excited when they win and you want them to win, those are the things that they're going to do for your clients. I also think things like boundaries. If I tell my team I do not want them responding to texts, emails, phone calls, whatever at nine o'clock at night, I shouldn't be either. It's so important that I lead them by setting that example of saying, hey, guys, we don't respond to emails on the weekend. You're either at a wedding, and so you should be fully focused on that wedding, or you're off and you should be off. I don't expect you to answer an email from me on the weekend, so I certainly don't expect you to be answering emails from your clients either. Lead by that example. Show them that you can get all of your work done in a reasonable amount of time, right? Lead by that example of saying, I'm not going to check emails at nine o'clock at night, and I don't want you checking emails at nine o'clock at night. These are a lot of things that you can do for your team so that they can see that you are walking the walk, right? The things you say you're going to do, you're actually doing. If you set a deadline for them, make sure that any deadlines you set for yourself that you meet as well. And that's not always easy. Trust me. I'm like the world's worst at saying, I'm going to meet this deadline. And I know I'm not going to. And I know better. And I, I tell my team, I'm like, I totally failed at that. I knew better when I set the deadline. I shouldn't have done that. But I own up to it. And I want them to do the same as well. Don't make excuses own up to it and say, you know what, I, sh- I knew better and I will be better about setting more realistic deadlines. And here's how I'll do that. Because what they see me doing is what they're going to be doing for their clients. And it's so, so important that I'm leading by that example. So you guys, honestly, being a leader is such a great gift. It can be so daunting in the beginning. You're like, oh my gosh, all of these people are looking to me for an answer and I don't know if I have one, but you do. You do. In all the years you've spent in your business, it's been preparing you for this. You've led your clients. You've led other vendors. You can absolutely lead a team and they are looking to you for direction and they are looking to you to say, you can do this, right? Like you've brought in the best people, empower them to make amazing decisions and to think on their own. So you guys, I hope that this episode was helpful. I cannot wait to hear from you about how you lead your team or any questions you have about being a great leader. I'd love to invite you to come into our free Facebook group. The Wedding Pro CEO community on Facebook. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's totally free. Come over and join the conversation. And I'd love to know from you, how do you lead your team? What's one tip you would have put into this episode? Or what's a question you have about being a great leader or something that scares you about being a great leader? Come on over and join in the conversation over in the Wedding Pro CEO community. And you guys, thank you so much for being here every single week. And I will see you next time.